0: i think they do it twice
1: uh maybe i can't i can't recall oh hey we're 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 live (laughs) oh we're not we're not live we're recording so
2: you you (laughs) (laughs) not
1: yes uh so i guess i'll do the intro (laughs) it's your show (laughs) yeah right i guess somebody has to do it, it might as well be me hey everyone thanks for tuning in this is comics paradox uh i'm powerful brandon uh, I am joined here today by uh, Justin Cooper and Leo Pond. Howdy. Hello, hello. Hey, guys. And, uh, you know, we, uh, as per usual, we are covering alternate reality stories. And uh, this week we are going to be talking about an Elseworlds from DC Comics. Uh, it's a two-parter that came out in prestige format uh, titled Superman Last Son of Earth. The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended
2: for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: Superman Last Son of Earth uh, was written by Steve Gerber, and the pencil art was done by Doug Wheatley. Uh, it's a it's a very interesting story uh, great artwork and um you know i I, I love it that's why I suggested we read it I'm just curious as as we start um and just a quick first impressions from from uh from you guys uh leo what do you, what did you think
2: uh yeah I really enjoyed it. it it's definitely a a unique take on uh Superman for sure uh it was. I was a little put off by um his uh adopted parents on krypton uh but okay. yeah yeah i really enjoyed it and now that i've been sitting here looking at the cover the cover reminds me of one of those like uh from the 80s those choose your own adventure novels <laughs>
1: okay okay yeah i i that's that's a solid reference. I did not think of that at
0: all. <laughs> I have that board game. I think it's called like the Magic House or something. But yeah, choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: and uh, kind of uh, is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to say that's isn't. I mean, it's almost really the principle behind like Elseworlds and what ifs. Like choose your own adventure. I mean, we chose it for you, but here, have fun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, except this one has an ending.
1: Yes, well, in a manner of speaking. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um. Uh, Coop, what did what? What was your first impression of this? Just looking at the cover, cracking to the first page,
0: even. This is um. This is sci-fi story, which is pretty interesting. And um, the art reminded me of like your Andy Kubert, Adam Kubert, like Joe Kubert sort of style of it. And um, it it reminds me very much of reading maybe like an Omni magazine or something like that from like the the eighties or the seventies or something. And it's just kind of like this alternate story of what's going on. There's so many facets that tie into little pieces of the DC normal uh, universe. There, it's just got like a so much pieces going on, all interwoven. He did a really good job on this, and it's it's got to be difficult because he's taking something that is it should be a simple concept, but it's it's so flip flopped on its head where it's like, okay, how is this going to work? And you have to tweak the characters just that little bit with like Jonathan Kent lois lane is a great example tweak that character completely you know and but it works so yeah. it's um it's a fun read
1: yeah i i, I agree and um just you know f- as we're as we're getting ready to dive into it um for anybody that's kind of trying to suss out what this story may be i mean from the title superman Son of earth um instead of kal-el uh being rocketed from the doomed planet krypton by his scientist father jor-el and his mother lara Uh, we find in 1968 that astrophysicist Jonathan Kent has discovered that there is a large asteroid that is moving towards Earth that is going to cause an extinction-level event. And because of that, uh, he's freaking out, and his wife, Martha, basically gives him the news right after he's trying to convince people to listen to him that she is pregnant. And his, his reaction is, Basically, ah, shit. Mm-hmm. So you know, he goes through and does exactly what we know of Jor-El doing on Krypton when he finds out about the planet's imminent destruction. He tries to tell people in power about it so they can maybe try to prevent extinction, prevent people from dying. And everyone doesn't care. I mean, it's the '60s; the Cold War is in full swing. Um, and you know, it's, it's basically just, Oh, don't worry about it. We'll just, we'll shoot it with missiles and it'll be fine. Uh, so he doesn't trust anybody because he knows the, you know, he's the veracity of his statements. So he liquidates all of his assets, goes to the old farm that his father left to him in can in Smallville, Kansas, and starts to build a rocket that would fit both his wife and their child. Uh, of course, she has the baby and decides to stay on Earth with him. and they shoot the rocket out into space, hoping you know that he'll land somewhere that it, there'll be sustainable uh, you know environment and what have you. Uh, and there, instead of you know what we know of, last son of Earth, Clark Kent, as he was named before he was stuck in a rocket, makes his way through a wormhole all the way to Krypton. Where he is discovered by Jor-El and his trusty robot servant slash friend Kelex, which we all know is the robot from the Fortress of Solitude who serves, uh, Kal-El serves, serves Superman uh, on Earth, and uh, from there, you know, he, he he you start to get the connections with uh, other characters that we know of from Krypton, which are few and far between. But of course, high amongst them is Lara Jor-El's wife and Kal-El, Superman from our world's mother. Um,
0: Did you notice that they used Marlon Brando's face from um, from like when he was younger for Jor-El? I did not. If you look in that panel on the the bottom, um, actually in that one too, but the panel in the bottom uh, center of the screen right there, like that is straight out of uh, you know. a streetcar made in desire and all that, like Marlon Brando of that age and era. No so, kidding. Yeah. Lara! I, I, exactly. <laughs> I, I couldn't place who, uh, Laura was and all that. And I'm like, Hmm. You know, but I'm like, dad is clearly Marlon Brando. Oh yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even put that together.
1: One of the things I, I did. Re- oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can see it. I can see that. My son. That's, that's my son. I tell you, our planet Krypton will explode within thirty days. Now, what something I thought was really cool too is the fact that in this, they are still sticking with like uh, the Krypton as it was established by John Byrne in nineteen eighty-six. Oh, the Man Tyson. of Steel, yeah, yeah. Um, where they they Krypton uh, is very much an isolationist society at this point. Uh, they, they procreate as we kind of saw in man of steel. They, they pulled this directly from man of steel, the man of steel series, mini done by John Byrne. Um, they just combine genetic material to, um, perfect their offspring. Uh, everything is, is refined and manufactured and they, but here's the thing with John Byrne's, uh, Superman stories. And what they do here is Kryptonians wear bio suits, which actually helps to, uh, Elongate their lives they can live for hundreds and hundreds of years uh, and they never have to worry about like illness or anything like that um, And so they they as it's stated within this story um, They stay away from one another because they feel that proximity mm-hmm. Is what allows societies to break down the closer you are to people the easier it is to be overwhelmed by your passions uh, not necessarily like love but anger and uh, that's what causes so much strife Um, and right off the bat we see how lara does not react well to jor-el as a person because he's just kind of like yeah i'm a scientist and uh, i do my own thing i don't really care about what anybody else in krypton says and this leads him to adopt essentially take in this young baby that lands in a crude rocket that he, he is alerted to, that he drags Lara with him to go look at. And so the first two people to find baby Clark Kent that lands on Krypton are Jor-El and Lara. Unfortunately, unlike when Kal-El lands on Earth, <laughs> Krypton has a much, much stronger gravity and denser atmosphere than Earth. So as they open up the ship and, and take the baby out, Kelex, the robot's like, uh, Master Jorel, this thing's going to die soon because it's not doing well out here. So they have to rush back to his lab. There's no time for him to bring Lara back to uh, her library where she, she works and what have you. And uh, he immediately tries to save this young baby's life. He gets it into a, like a kind of hyperbolic chamber, essentially, uh, to help... Get it acclimated to the atmosphere and pressures of the planet. Uh, he also makes a, a, a note. It's kind of funny. He's like, also never feed a, a like a non Kryptonian anabolic protein paste. Like <laughs> he clearly tried to give the baby some Kryptonian food, and it was not a good scene um but you know months go by and he's been you know observing and actually like interacting with the baby and he even says like i'm growing really attached to this little thing and uh Laura walks back in you know and she's just like you're an asshole (laughs) and (laughs) joro's like uh i mean i don't necessarily think you're wrong but why exactly and she she accuses him of rigging their are uh, coupling. Basically, it turns out they've been chosen to uh, have a, gen- a genetic pairing, which is exactly how it would have gone down regardless, uh, just like, you know, the Superman stories we know. Um, but of course, Lara at this point is the only other person that knows the secret of this uh, extra Kryptonian. When to say extraterrestrial, this extra Kryptonian child. Uh, and he ends up going before the, the you know, I guess the science council, is that what they are in, in this or just I mean, the, council the, of
0: elders, they council of
1: elders. Them. Yeah. Um, and he, he tells them and that, yeah, this is, this is a kid that I found. And uh, you know what? I've, I've been raising it. It's surviving. And not only am I going to keep, keep it alive, but I'm teaching it and it's going to be my heir. His name is kal And they're like, what? No. Oh, okay. I, I guess that jor he's a real wacky kid, huh? And um, Lara is still pretty ambivalent about the fact that she has been matched to jor And the way that you know Kryptonian culture works is that's it—that's who you're matched to. So nobody else. So she is—she has been tied to this dude that she thinks is a fucking anchor. <laughs> and you know, we—we, uh, we, as you guys saw, like we, we get all kinds of um, views of Krypton that we've not normally gotten in regular Superman stories where we get to see like them walking through the gardens of Krypton and they make mention of the fact that their bio suits can control the humidity around them. So they always stay comfortable. You know, it's just such a life of, of leisure and no hardship whatsoever for these, for this entire population. Um, And as they move forward, you know, the, we, we start to see Kal-El um as an adolescent and he's learning kryptonian history and i I found it very interesting myself to see him learning lessons and jor-el imparting them to him uh very very matter of fact but still with very strong lessons and i found it not unlike clark kent kal-el from the stories we know learning from jonathan kent as he was growing up as well i mean did you guys make any note of that as you were moving along in the story
0: I noted the um, the story was a lot like uh, Planet of the Apes, with like the worship of the bomb and all that, um, and then that kind of comes into play a little bit later on. But um, I thought that was that was kind of interesting thing. That that's what that reminded me of. But um, Clark here has the same sort of moral compass that we see, and I mean, at age twelve, you know, he's twelve cycles old. That they'll they'll say. Um, he still knows right from wrong, and it's it's inherent. You know, it's like encoded in his DNA almost.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting. No, like, funny to say encoded in his DNA because you could definitely say it's it's at the root of the character as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, but ironically enough, I mean, the DNA of this character is wildly different because it's not actually Superman. It really is the child of Jonathan Kent and Martha Kent, which we have not seen. Mm-hmm. This is this is somebody who. On Earth, you know, he would have at this point in this story, like his dad would have been a college professor, and his mom. I don't actually know what Martha did in this. <laughs> they they don't really get to that. I think they.
0: I, was, I feel like he can't catch a break because, like, his dad's a douchey scientist on both. That's true. That's true. You oh, know, I'm, it's like Jonathan Kent in this one is like the most untenable character, or he's just like this this long. Long haired, sort of like hippie scientist. That's like somewhat of a crackpot, but he's like good enough at what he does where people like give him leeway. It's like, oh, okay, you know, like a Hunter S. Thompson sort of character, right? Just uh, without guns and adrenochrome and all that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's and then and then it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna give him free reign to do this and all that. And he ends up making a rocket. You're like, okay, all right But you just you don't see a lot of likability from that guy, is what I'm saying. Like the mom has, has like moments of empathy and, and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, we, we like her, you know, we, we feel for her. We, we want, we want her to do well for him. It's like, hope he dies. You know, it's just <laughs> weird. You know? And, and then you, you get to this, this guy and he's like, he's like, Oh, I've grown fond of him. And I'm like, all right, I feel like he is a babysitter, you know, rather than like a, a parent, and, and he's just like kind of observing what's going on and you know he he's definitely teaching him and, and trying to teach him the ways, but there's so much resistance and like the interesting thing is like what I want to see from this book like going forward at this point, I'm like, all right, well, I hope that Jorel learns something from watching him and I hope that he grows as a character as a result of him. So that's kind of like the 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 part that I was looking for at this point. I'm like, alright, let's, let's see where this goes because this guy is like, he's this maverick scientist you know, he's kind of like inappropriate with the woman and all that but he's like, alright, you know, I'm just going to change all these records and stuff he's, he's kind of doing whatever the hell he wants but now he's got to be in charge of something, which is very much how parenthood is, Ooh. you know um, so I'm kind of like looking for a big change by the end of the book for jor yeah,
1: no, a- absolutely I, I long
0: think... segue, sorry, but no,
1: no, no, no that's, that's fine <laughs> Um, I, 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 I just did want to make note real quick, too, that uh, we did briefly um, in the story see Perry White uh, shortly before Jonathan and Martha launch Clark into the friggin' stratosphere. And um, he's actually like one of the few people who actually followed up on what Jonathan Kent was trying to say. And he found out that Jonathan Kent was 100 percent correct about what was going to happen to the planet. And ends up quitting his job at the daily planet as a reporter, because they don't want to report on that. They just want to report on what the governments are saying, which is a bunch of balderdash. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, it's just kind of cool to see like, Oh, Hey, look, there's a classic Superman character that we know. And uh, now he's just like, Oh, well, what am I going to do with the rest of my time until the world ends? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we kind of move along from that way. Like, That's a great line. Bye earth. You know? Um, <laughs> What, it, what is cool and, and what we're seeing here is, uh, you know, Clark, I mean, Clark, yeah, I'm sorry, Kal-El, as he is being called here, uh, he has to wear an exoskeleton in order to support his frame due to the, the pressures of the gravity on Krypton. Um, he, he has had to acclimate and work against it his entire life, and uh, he he can't, like, you know, he can't really move around without it. Uh, just small distances and, and such, uh, but more to the point, his father uh, JorEl, being a scientist, he is—you uh, know—he's always trying to satiate his own scientific curiosity. And considering CalEl's uh, uh, earthly origins, combined with how he's being raised here, he is a very curious individual as well as also as well as very smart. Um, but to the point. He wants to know more about what Krypton was like before it became what it is. And Jor-El explains to him, like, there's there's nothing, kid. You know, anything like that, it's it's buried, and Krypton does not care. They do not want to know more about who they were. They only care about who they are now.
0: Now, that um, reminds me of Alan Moore, right? Like the Alan Moore Superman story with the Black Mercy, um, you know, the for the man that has everything and all that. Yep. That took me back to this because I'm like, that's the glimpse that you saw when he's like, oh, I'm happy being a geologist on Krypton.
2: Hmm. Now, what, now, what were you going to say, Leo? Well, uh, so when I was reading it, you know, trying to, you know, put myself in place of, you know, a, a human transposed onto another another world, you know, uh, how would they grow up being different and everything? And, you know, I I. Th- the way I saw it is Kal-El's being, he, he wants to explore, he wants to learn more, but the, the overall wanting to explore is the essence of, you know, humanity. That's how we, we grew. That's how we, we expanded our, our civilizations was just trying to see what
1: else. Oh, Leo just froze. Yep. What? else? damn it. I want to know what he was going to say. (laughs) Um, yeah, he's well regardless um i want to give him a second nope okay so i i, I completely agree with what leo was was uh, getting at there because i was going to say something similar the fact that his inherent curiosity as a human being is clearly one of the things driving him to want to explore and, and look around because that is what has driven our our species on this planet and uh it's, it's kind of fun to look at the fact that that's an inherent thing in our species that he brought with him that was not present for Kryptonians and on Krypton. And much like Kal-El showing up to Earth, he has his own special talents that allow him to change the world, hopefully for the better. Um, hopefully, what he's able to do with that and hit with his own curiosity, like will he be able to contribute to the society that he is a part of? and maybe make it better than it already is. And, um, you know, it's just I, I, I found it to be, uh, you know, just a really, really cool spin on, on the idea of uh, natural talents and what have you. Yeah, and
0: it's it's interesting what you're saying too because like uh, and kind of what leo was saying like the essence of humanity the whole idea that that that's like the discovery part and that's what like um kind of pushes us on and that is a recurring theme in a lot of science fiction whether it's star trek or, or a little bit of star wars but not not as much but like babylon 5 and like just a lot of these and, um, John Carter, like a lot of these things that have like the essence of being human is a character rather than a strength or a talent or anything else like that. And that's, that's kind of what we run into with this early version of Clark. And I, th- I think um, at this point in the story, we're up to him being like what, seventeen, eighteen.
1: Uh Yeah. that seem- that seems to be the case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just really cool. Like that inquisitiveness. And like I was saying earlier that that brings me back to that, uh, that Alan Moore sort of issue where, you know, we have Superman and it's like, okay, he would be perfectly content just, you know, running findings as a geologist on Krypton. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Oddly enough, that was that was illustrated by John Byrne. So, <laughs> you
1: yeah, know, but um,
0: it, it just kind of took me back there and I'm like, yeah, it seems like that is what he would be and he might be happy doing that. So, yeah, yeah it, was, now, it was pretty fun.
1: Can uh, Let me ask you, can you see my screen right now?
0: I can't see your screen. No. Ah, nuts. Ah, oh, nuts.
1: I mean, ah, nuts. Ah, nuts. You <laughs> know, uh, I mean, I have the comic book up as well, but
0: uh, we're just waiting for Leo to come back.
1: I know. I, I, I might not let me share the screen because he was sharing his screen when when he got the old uh, boudaroo, but mm. uh, it stinks because
0: well, I know I know where we were in the book because uh, he had just found something we haven't talked about it yet, which is kind of a big deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm on the same page. I just, <laughs> it's killing me because I really want to put it up on the screen, but oh well. Here we go. I guess uh, I guess I'll just move forward. <laughs> um, so yeah, use your we're,
0: willpower. <laughs> we're
1: trying uh, willpower. Well, funny you say that. Uh, so um, there is that we see young Calwell, uh, you know, making his way around exploring with his own uh, robotic sidekick that he is named crypto who is white and metallic. So that's a fun little reference to uh, what we know of as Superman's super pet. Uh, However, he's, he's going around in his, uh, his exoskeleton with, with crypto and they're um, you know, checking out some artifacts. He's digging around trying to, you know, find anything he can for any sort of historical record or just get an idea of scientifically the geology of the area and there's a, 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 I don't know if you want to call it a, a, crypt, a Krypton quake, I guess. <laughs> and I would, yeah, you it, know, it it, uh, it dislodges uh, some a, a large area, and they start to see a, a green glow, a, an energy surge, uh, coming from a, a space that has been exposed because of the the shuffling of, of uh, the the area, the the ground. So he goes up to it with Kellex, and they find a large um corpse that is mummified essentially the tentacled being that is wearing you can partially see it a green lantern symbol and the glow is coming from the green lantern directly next to the corpse on the tip of one of the tentacles you can see a non-powered green lantern ring uh and of course, Calel is like, ooh, crypto, analyze this. What what is it? And you know, crypto is just like, uh, you know, it it's uh it's a dead thing wearing <laughs> wearing some kind of ring, and uh that other thing right there is the source of that weird energy reading I was getting. And uh, you know, Calel is just like, oh well, maybe I should pick this up and check it out. And crypto straight up is like, no, don't do it. And as soon as he picks it up, the lantern starts speaking to him. And it says, Kal-El of Krypton, the light shines upon you and within you and finds you worthy. Hold the ring of power to the lantern's flame and speak these words. And at that point, Kal-El puts the ring on, puts his hand into the lantern and says, In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. But those who worship... Oh. Let those who worship evils' might beware my power, Green Lantern's light. And he immediately, sh- like his exoskeleton is gone, it changes into his Green Lantern uniform, which is somewhat different than what you would think. It's not a standard uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's a dark blue that comes down to a triangle uh, with a large white field coming up over the shoulders and down the down the sleeves uh, to to white gloves as well, uh, but the chest field is a pentagonal shape, much like Superman's symbol. Uh, but within it fitting against the angles of the pentagonal shape itself is the green lantern logo. And he is now the green lantern of sector like 1104 or whatever that covers Krypton. And, uh, you know, he's of course like thrilled because he can do all this crazy stuff with this and he can fly around and he also doesn't need the exoskeleton to move around on his home well what he considers his home planet um and you know he's just he's super pumped and wants to wants to sell his dad he turns to crypto and goes hey how long has it been since we were home last and crypto's like seven months four days three hours 21 is like nope that's enough i've hurt. let's just go and he starts booking it and, and crypto's like um, I can't fly that fast, <laughs> and so <laughs> Kalil doubles back with the ring. He's like, Oh, don't worry, I'll give you a ride. And, and Crypto's just like, Oh, well, that's better. Um, what should we do about your ship and everything we left back there? No time, we gotta tell my dad. And uh, he makes his way back to, to Jor-El's lab where uh, you know, he he, he just kind of makes his way in, and Jor-El is just so distracted by something, he doesn't even notice that Kalil is not wearing his ectoskelet- exoskeleton anymore um and of course we come to find out that uh the reason why jor-el is looking so somber and you know feeling so melancholy <laughs> is that he has uh discovered that the core of krypton is unstable and it is actually due to what kal-el had been looking at in the historical archives earlier in the story where um they had dealt with cloning and in the clone wars it's not star wars gang it's a very different thing on krypton uh clones were used for organs to harvest and it was it was more like the
0: island you know yeah
1: yeah exactly it's like if you've ever seen michael bay's the island it's very much like what krypton was oddly
0: enough both starring and mcgregor though
1: yeah good call. weird yeah um but yeah uh he he you know uh he finds out that what they did back then, you know, like 10,000 years ago, it actually set off a chain reaction that has taken this long to start to rip the planet apart. And one of the earliest indications that there was a problem is this society, these, the members of this society, which wear these same bio suits that I had mentioned earlier, um, they are getting sick and dying and they—they uh, they are having, they have like a green pallor when they pass away and they call it the green plague and it is essentially crypt kryptonite poisoning coming from the core of the planet and uh you know kal upon hearing that he's like what nothing can be done well i'll see about no with that attitude i'll see about that and uh he he just takes his ring up into space and he grabs a bunch of like space debris and, and you know i shouldn't say debris but like fragments of of uh minerals and elements out in space and forms giant metallic rods from them and geo positions them to stress points to get to the core and just all at once uses the ring and every iota of his willpower and sends them right through the surface of the planet into the core and jor watches on his own like tectonic readouts and sees that Kal-El has, taking, has taken all of this and turned this space debris into basically control rods, like in a fusion reactor, and it's completely disfused the chain reaction. It's, it's pretty cool. Like, if only there had been a Green Lantern around when Krypton exploded for the comics we know, there would be no Superman. Okay, so maybe not a great example. Maybe <laughs> it was a good thing there wasn't a Green Lantern around. But regardless... Still pretty cool to see in this story. Um, And, uh, you know, in light of that, you know, as we've seen in many different comics and movies and shows, uh, Lara, who really did not like Jor-El at all. As it seemed that they were about to, you know, all perish on the planet, her reaction was, "I have to go see Joelle," and straight up said to him, "Like, you know, I I was really worried about my family, but once I stopped thinking about that, the only thing that I could think about was you." And Joelle's reaction was was pretty great because he was like, "Yeah," line. he's like, "Yeah, that 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 sounds right." And she's like, "Well, what about me? Did you think of me?" and He's like, uh, you've never left my thoughts from the moment we met. And it's like, oh, Jor-El, you Kryptonian pimp, you.
0: Yep. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's, that's part of what I was talking about, where it's like you want to see something change in this guy. And it's like, all right, he's kind of a stick in the mud, a maverick and all that. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I can get behind him because he's a romantic.
1: Yep. And, and that's the thing is like you kind of you start to see like, oh, maybe this is part of the reason why Jor-El is like such a different cat than the rest of Kryptonian society. You know, why he was actually capable of seeing this, you know, this alien baby land. And he was like, yeah, you know what? No, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of this kid. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise him. I'm gonna, no, he's not dying on my watch. And um, maybe it started off as a little bit more of a scientific curiosity, but he found himself growing attached regardless of, of anything else. And I mean, with the cold, hard calculated science of someplace like Krypton, it, it seems to fly in the face of, of everything that they would have stood for. So, you know, piecing that together, it's like, Oh, he, he had an emotion (laughs) and that's probably more than most Kryptonians could say, but uh, regardless of all that, Hey Leo, welcome back. What's happening, buddy.
2: Hey, uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh well, I our internet officially went down. I restarted the modem multiple times. So, uh um, I logged in through my phone. I see, I see.
1: Yeah, I um I don't know I don't know what happened in so far as like the sharing thing either because I'm trying to share my screen and it, it you know, it won't let me. Um, because, uh, you know, I mean, we're talking about comics and a visual medium and, uh, you know, we're using more than a thousand words. To,
2: to pick, to pick. <laughs> uh, you should be. It could be because I was sharing, but uh, that's that's what I
1: said. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's fine. Um, not a big deal. Uh, we'll we're just going to power through like we do here.
0: We had uh, just gotten to the point where um, Kal-El had found the Green Lantern. In the the book and then he had gone home to see his dad and his dad was just kind of contemplative and that's uh, that's kind of where we are where we are at.
2: Okay, and actually, if you want to try sharing your screen, I might be able to add it.
1: Okay, let me see here. Share, share screen, share screen, screen two and share. Hmm.
2: Nope. Uh, it, it's there. I need to add it. Oh, okay.
1: Oh, oh, you have to give permission. That makes. Oh, there you it. go.
2: Okay, cool,
1: wonderful.
0: Yeah. Big explosions. <laughs>
1: All right. So yeah, um, that's uh, that's where we were. The so we got the the one of the big rods coming through. I will say it's like, <laughs> hey Cal, you did you make sure that there weren't people in that building right there? Please. He totally didn't. <laughs> I'm thinking not. Probably not. Um, but yeah, as as we as I was saying, I mean, Laura rushes to, to Jorel and she's just like, I was thinking of you, and did you think of me? And Jorel just went full pimp status, and he's like, From the moment we met Lara, you have never left my thoughts. And she was like, Oh, you can totally mix your genetic material with mine,
0: you know. So good. <laughs> His on dad him. is totally re-richards. I mean, seriously. <laughs>
1: But yeah, it, it it was pretty cool. Uh, actually, you know what? Let me um, oh, let me go back here. I just want to So this is I want to go. Yep, so this is, uh, you know, Kal-El discovering the uh the artifact as it were. You know, there's the the corpse as we were saying with the green lantern and um, you know, crypto freaking I was saying, "Don't touch it." And uh he he gives his little robot buddy a, a little ride on the energy sidecar of his his superhero motorcycle as it were. The and Forrest
0: Gump moment where he sheds his uh, exoskeleton. Yep.
1: Run, kal run. And uh, he, he goes to see Daddy. Daddy tells him, like, planet's going to go boom, boom soon. And uh, that's when he takes all of this debris in space and forms these giant diffusion rods and jams them through the planet's surface into the core so it acts as... Uh, control rods like i said much like a, a, a nuclear reactor um and that's where lara shows up and now we have kal going around kind of checking out the damage surveying it you know much like a superhero slash curious little earth boy on krypton would do <laughs> and uh you know funny enough uh, some of the, this building that we see him come across it's like all right that that looks pretty old and ancient, but. For the most part, you know, not you know, it's well intact. I can't imagine that being hidden. (laughs) You know, like there's no real explanation for that. They're they're just
0: ambivalent, you know. So it's like an apathetic. They don't care, they're just leaving their shit around.
1: Apathetic is probably the best way to describe it for sure.
0: The, the Kryptonian society here reminds me so much of Robotech. If either of you guys have ever watched the original Robotech and then, then you get to like the, the series afterwards with the Masters and all that, they just didn't care. You know, They designed all of their stuff to where it's like it didn't have to be repaired. It was just abandoned. And then they would go on to something else. So it's like, oh, okay. So they spent all of their time trying to figure out what the Earthlings had called protoculture. You know, because um, they were a society of clones and things like that too. So I'm like, wow, it really kind of rings with Robotech vibes from here. Yeah, I when, he found, when he found these artifacts and all that, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of where they were going at too, because they were looking for this stuff and they were going through ruins and all that on like Venus and Mars and stuff like that. So
1: yeah, and uh, w- what's what's kind of cool is like going through this this area. I mean, Calil kind of gets what he was asking about when he was younger. A, a solid physical piece of Krypton's history, which shows what their society there was like well before the biosuits and the genetic engineering. And it looks as though people wore much more colorful clothing and they maybe maybe had a little bit more romance in their lives. And when I say romance, I don't mean love, you know, I, I, I mean romance in the, the grander sense of the term uh, you know, romantic adventures and, and so on and so forth. <laughs> romantic pursuits. Um, they were probably more inclined to the arts rather than science. Um, and we, we see that, you know, right, right here uh, in this, like, holog- hologram within the book that he's showing off that he found. Uh, and he's, he's just saying, you know, there's a, maybe a, a cure for how their, their culture is stagnated as much as it has. And it's probably within the confines of this, this artifact and the artifacts that they've unearthed. Um, and you know, of course he's like, and I'm going to, I plan on, I plan on digging down deep on this after I take a long nap because he had a big day guys. <laughs> really yeah. And, uh, you know, so moving forward, he, he's, you know, still wearing the ring, you know, all the time and has the lantern right next to his head as he sleeps, which I would not do.
0: <laughs> yeah. Was- I, I kind of got that vibe too from this and I was just thinking I'm like you never know what's going to go on like that thing's going to either give you nasty headaches or cancer so or you, you got to be careful yeah or, you know or one leads to the other absolutely
1: but because of it I mean he starts to get like fragmented dreams uh, of you know basically his his parents you know Jonathan and Martha just very you know quick flashes nothing that's really too discernible to him and it's very confusing uh, and he he's trying to figure out exactly where he's from at this point. He's never really questioned it as much. And he goes to Jor-El and starts a whole, like, where am I from? Where, you know, where, where was I, where was I born? And, you know, and you know, Jor-El tries to play it off. Like, oh, you know where all Kryptonian kids come from. You guys are all mixed together in a <laughs> bottle. And then we put, we shoot you out. And he's like, uh dude, I had to wear a fucking exoskeleton for like 17 years. I'm not Kryptonian. Don't come on, man. Like I might've been born at night, but it sure as fuck wasn't last night. <laughs> and uh you know and so Jorel kind of has to like be like no you're just you're still tired you didn't your nap was too short go get a juice box and a snack and we'll talk later <laughs> and uh and Calel and is just like no 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 Jorel your dad's name and your dad's dad's name because they're all L's you better tell me where I'm from do i come from here and dun 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 that's the cliffhanger in the first issue of this Prestige. Uh and, you know, so we, we move past that, like, am I of this world as he wears the Green Lantern ring? And that uh, brings us to the uh, back portion of that. So I'm just going to go to the second issue right here, uh, issue two of two Elseworlds, Superman Last Son of Earth, where this time around we see, uh, you know, a, a Superman, at, well, I should say a Kal-El as Green Lantern and uh, the Guardians, and clearly a guy who looks like Lex Luthor with (laughs) a tank and what looks like uh, some dilapidated buildings, one of which is the Daily Planet, so this must be Metropolis, and two Earth people, uh, a a young woman with uh, long brunette hair, uh, some ammo and a shotgun, and then uh, an older gentleman with a ponytail and... Uh, a jacket which inexplic- inexplicably has fringe on the bottom of it. Um,
0: it's like Billy Jack in the future. <laughs> yeah,
1: this is what they thought the future looked like in 1981. <laughs> and you know, so that's uh, clearly we, we might be seeing uh, some some denizens of Earth other than uh, Calell Cal- slash Clark. And uh, which we we open up on Cal now sitting on like a moon. Um, you know, uh, going around Krypton and just kind of enjoying the fact that in space uh, no one can hear you do anything let alone scream and uh, he, he feels like he has the chance to maybe kind of meditate and focus on these things that have been popping up in his dreams and kind of for lack of a better term haunting him since he put on this ring almost like it's started to unlock and try to make sense of uh, his, own, his own memories and mind Um, and he's not really getting the answers to the truth of his origins that he not just wants, but needs from his father, Jor-El. And, uh, this, this has led him to think that he could maybe use the lantern and ring itself to (laughs) plumb the depths of his mind. Uh, and he's, he's about to do it. He's, he's about to turn that ring right into his own head and be like, Find out who I am, Magic Green Ring. And thankfully, just before he does it, uh, you guys have seen, I'm sure you read it, <laughs> you know a voice starts speaking to him from the lantern, which uh, we've seen in any number of Green Lantern stories. And we know that he has the ring and he's now used it. He's performed an act of heroism for an entire planet. So the next move is going to be going to Oa. You have to meet the Guardians and you have to, you know, train or whatever. I mean, they kind of skipped the whole real training thing here for him. But, I mean, I guess after you save an entire fucking planet by doing what he did, they're like, oh, I, I think he has the hang of it.
0: Yeah, he, he gets it. He's got the spit curl. You know? Yeah, yeah, he's
1: good. He's good. He looks a lot like this other guy I've seen before. And, uh, you know, so he's he's told, you know, you have to come to Oa. Um, you have to, you know, you have to get training, and and if you if you turn that ring on yourself, it's just gonna be fucking bad news bears. So why don't you come to us? We'll tell you everything about how the ring works, and then maybe we can work on you actually, you know, turning that thing on your brains, and hopefully not turning them into mush. And uh, he's just like, and how do I get there? And they just go, oh, we'll bring you here. <laughs> and he's like, how? Directly. <laughs> and just pulls always away.
2: love that light
1: speed. Yeah. And the last thing he says is wow, which is Kryptonian for God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that's, you know, we, he gets pulled along and, you know, of course we get a, a great scene of him first flying into Oa here, the, the central power battery right there. And I love the way that they actually designed the central power battery here on Oa. Um, it, it looks great. It, the, the fact that they made it, Oh, what were you say?
2: I was just going to say, uh, if, when he said row, are you sure it's not uh, his Owen Wilson impression? Wow! Wow. Wow.
1: Wow. This
2: thing runs row. by willpower.
0: I mean, will I, won't I? Where, <laughs> where where am I from? Wow. <laughs> Damn hey, a car. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> no. Sorry, very to... no, no, you don't have to apologize at all. It's great. I love, I love that when, when you get a good Owen Wilson as Superman as a Green Lantern. <laughs> now that's how I'm gonna read this book. <laughs> I, forever <laughs> up here trying to save Krypton. Yes, it's crazy, right? Tell me, tell me the truth about my origins. Yeah, wait, I'm a variant. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> uh so you know it's kind of cool because you know due to the fact that um kal has been on isolationist krypton for so long uh much like a human being would would react you know he sees all these other creatures and what have you and his first reaction is whoa these these creatures are s- certainly strange looking and uh <laughs> you know right away they're like uh no man they're they're not strange they're just different than you like maybe maybe you're the strange one, dickhead, and uh, you know it's it's kind of cool that they, they make a point of that right away. Uh, but he makes his way to the guardians, and um, they they kind of give him a quick overview. Like, oh, the guardians have been around for you know three billion years, and uh, then he hears he's like, wait, wait, I know that voice. You're the you're the weird voice speaking to me through the the the, the, the lantern thing yeah are you my friend and uh you know the guy's like well i'm certainly the voice that's been speaking to you for sure uh no, i took
0: that as Ganth. i don't think they named him but i mean no it's like-
1: yeah I, I figured it was gant too they you know but it's okay that they didn't specifically name the guardian like you know keep them all kind of ubiquitous you know it's just like okay what you seen one guardian you're seeing them all i guess um and you know He actually does make a point like I can I can teach you how to do the thing that you want to do, but, you know, it's pretty dangerous. So even if we get you to the point where you can access yourself like that, uh, I'll be here to make sure you don't let the powers, uh, the power rings charge go out while you're doing this, because once that 24 hours is up, if you're still in your head, you're you're done. You'll be you'll be stuck in a loop forever. Uh, it's really easy to lose track of time, but keep in mind, even if you get, I can pull you out, you, you may just turn your brains to mush. Uh, and of course, Kal is like, "No, I have to know," and uh, he he starts to access some of these memories fairly quickly. It seems. I mean, it's just as weeks later, but you know, the Guardians just like, "All right, you've you've sequestered yourself, your will, and you've pierced the veil of the the unconscious. Now, abandon yourself to the ring, and boom, well, there you go, like a huge." Vision of like his mom, dad, and a horse in front of a barn in Smallville. It's he just hears like a couple fragmented sentences, like you know my family name and back in Metropolis and room for you and the baby, post impact tides, and you know that's that. And you know we move along, and you know is just kind of like cool. It sounds like they were uh, pretty friggin' worried and uh, scared that they were about to die. And inexplicably strapped their baby to a rocket and shot her into space. So,
0: <laughs> As you do. <laughs> you know, like, like you do.
1: And, um, you know, of course, Guardian's like, hey, yeah, you know it, kid. It's just like you read about. And, um, you know, he's just kind of like, woe is me. That's all I could get uh, after all this training. And I don't want to risk the dangers of going through that again. And the Guardian's just like, oh, you kind of forget where... 3 billion years old we've cataloged like most of the known universe and you're an example of the life on that planet we're pretty sure we can find them based on your fucking DNA and he's like oh cool so like what do I do he's like oh stick your ring in and into this computer and you know it'll it'll suss out what the most likely you know planet you're from is and yada 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 to which I say couldn't you have just used his DNA to find out what planet he was from to begin with and just go I, I from there.
0: That, yeah. <laughs> this this was a bit nebulous because they're, they're like, because of science, we will find where you live. And, oh, like oh. You have a Green Lantern in that sector, you know, and the Green Lanterns collect to like a, like a hive mind sort of a, a central battery that has all the data in it. So it's like you could just search the matrix for it. So
2: uh, and not to be too critical, but to be critical, uh, no, do it, man. Uh, just calling back to the beginning when uh, Jonathan and uh, Martha launched him into space. The original plan was for uh, Martha and um, Clark to be launched into space, wait for the uh, asteroid to hit and then come back when it was safe. Right. Correct. So how was Clark supposed to do that
1: if he was alone? Well, see, that's the thing. Comics. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. It doesn't make sense. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, that's not even the biggest issue I had is, I mean, the the fact of the matter is the size of the asteroid that was going to hit the planet was basically the same size as the asteroid that created the (sighs) fucking Gulf of Mexico. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, And I mean... We'll get to that part, I'm sure, because that's that's the whole thing, too, where we literally watch two characters watching the impact. And then one of those characters shows up again. You're like, really, comic? Well,
2: also, (laughs) they say it hit Asia. But when the rocket's launching, you see the asteroid fairly close to it.
0: And, and I mean, I don't want to give anything away. I'll I'll get back. Yeah, bad yeah content, well, we'll,
1: you know? we'll yeah we'll we'll get <laughs> okay. to that point. But yeah. I will I will say, like, if we're going based on strict realistic science, the asteroid that hit it actually would have completely changed the Earth altogether. Um, the the kind of stuff that would have it would have eradicated, um, most most life, and it would have started a whole new cycle of evolution that would have taken. You know, hundreds of thousands of years, starting with likely like amoebas again, and anything that was, you know, on two legs would have been, you know, two legs and over uh, five pounds likely would have been completely eradicated. That's exactly what they, they theorize and posit happened on this planet already. I mean, the seas would have boiled and all the debris that worth was thrown up from the impact would have completely covered the atmosphere. And it would have stayed like that for at least a year in the atmosphere, which would have completely, I mean the, the heat alone from the a- asteroid hitting would have destroyed most of the, the fauna would have destroyed most of the plant life on the entire planet. So like anything, him going back there, it would have been completely untenable, it, just unlivable. But once again, this is a comic you know, we'll, we'll give it the benefit of the doubt. For all we know, maybe they were able to launch at least a couple of missiles at the thing and it broke the asteroid up and it was just a, you know, a smaller yet still kind of large chunk that hit Asia. You know, let, let's give the benefit of the doubt, like I said. Um, but moving forward, yeah, it, it just seems like they they could have just skipped the whole dangerous portion <laughs> where Gallo could have turned his fucking brain into alphabet soup and just been like yeah dude like you're from there so let's just let's just take a sample of your blood or put your fucking thumbprint on this and figure out what species you are and where you're you're likely from that seems like it would have been much easier and i actually think that you know, i know they were going for like a cool scientific dramatic beat yeah. But it would have it, w- it would have been just as good and sensible if he had made his way went through regular Green Lantern training and then they were like, okay, now we're gonna help you figure out where you're
0: from. Here it is.
1: You, you know what I mean? Like you could have gotten a little bit more with someone like Kilowog and and like Tomari and
0: and I then, didn't see Tomar in this, but I, I did I not mean, either. We did see Kilowog and it was a pretty good version.
1: Yeah, it it was it was. Um, but you know they could have played up a little bit more of the Green Lantern stuff in this, I mean, you're right there on Oa. Um, they, they really like fucking Martin Campbell, Ryan Reynolds, it up in this being like, Oh, look, he's been on Oa for two and a half pages. Well, oh, time to go to earth.
0: That, that, that's the best part of that movie though. Like that, uh, that Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie. Like all the parts on Oa, I'm like, yes, give me more Sinestro, give me more of uh, Tomari, give me more of. um, I think Salak is in there. You know, it's like, like throw all those things in there. Let me see more of those concentric green circles that you know they're they're making with the the constructs. That was a great part of a movie that was just like really flawed. But I'm like, you know what? It's it's got a good good pieces to it so well the
1: the issue with that movie is um they didn't know whether what kind of movie they were trying to make it was two movies in one i mean it was very cronenbergian with everything that was happening with hector hammond oh my god yeah a lot of body horror there uh it was like a completely different movie and and then you get to the stuff with ryan reynolds you know hal jordan and there's like the space adventure stuff um but they they still with green lantern the character in it they they still fell victim to what i call masses of the universe uh itis and that is like oh hey here's a cool fantastical story with this great power and a character that has to deal with the responsibility that comes along with it and it's on a cosmic like universal scale so let's make sure that we have the vast majority of this cool universal cosmic thing take place on earth in california
0: (laughs) yeah and an airfield
1: (laughs) yeah like (laughs) no man like listen i signed like when i watched masters of the universe i wanted to see he-man and skeletor with their respective crews fighting it out on eternia i didn't want to see some fucking dwarf named Gildor trying to steal a bucket of kfc from somebody in a fucking parking lot just wait a minute
0: we did see that (laughs)
1: <laughs> what what, what?
0: <laughs> what are you saying? We did see that.
1: <laughs> All right, so spoiler alert, we're gonna see Kalel steal a bucket of KFC from somebody in what a these? lot.
0: These are ribs, they <laughs> eat animals. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, so Welcome back to our podcast about yeah, we, the Masters of the Universe yeah, movie. Yeah, right, uh, next so, we're going to talk about stop motion.
1: So, so as as it is at this point, Callel uh, and um, maybe Ganthit <laughs> have sussed out that he is likely from from Earth, uh, and so you know, Callel's like, "Well, that's where I'm gonna go, Sector twenty eight fourteen. Catch you later, blue dudes." And he just makes his, his way off, like you know, he doesn't have responsibilities in the sector that he's from. <laughs> Great job, buddy. Hey, how do you think Krypton was destroyed without a Green Lantern being there the first time?
0: Stupid. Well, um, they they um they refused the help, didn't they? Yeah,
1: I think that actually is what they did. Yeah. That's canon, right?
0: Yeah, I think I think so. Like it's um,
1: because of the isolation of society, which they've they've touted throughout this story. Which I will say, it's good that they've made that a sticking point for for Krypton in this I, I like that a lot. Um and the fact that he was able to stay there um not because of Jor-El but that like the the council of elders didn't say like nah, get rid of your science experiment. You know, they very easily could have done that. But once again like because of Jor-El and who he is, they're like, ah, "All right, fine. You know, yeah. we we like your dad and we really like your granddad, so you know, we'll let you do your thing, but you know, don't fuck around too much, bunny. We'll have to fucking put boot down." Um, it's
0: um it's got some star trek aspects to it as well like with uh with spock and um spock's father Sarek. Oh, you know yeah. if uh, if anybody's watching star trek discovery you have like that aspect with michael who is essentially you know uh spock's younger sibling who is an adopted earthling that was raised as a vulcan so you kind of have like those well, aspects going on too
1: what is his therapy bill like good god <laughs> my my mother never told me she loved me. Well, she's Vulcan, and
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's logical. He's
1: not gonna, dude. Maybe not that attitude. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, he makes his way across the the galaxies and gets to, you know, sector twenty eight fourteen system Sol Earth, and uh, he gazes upon the the surface of the planet, and he's like, well. That looks like an absolute hellscape. <laughs> That's it's nothing but swirling, grimy, dusty atmosphere, you know. And he makes his way. He touches down on the planet and checks out several different points across the geography. Uh, Asia, which he 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 says, you know, informs us through his own inner monologue that it was the point of impact, uh, mm-hmm. which we had mentioned earlier. And uh, he he mentions that it must have wiped out life on this continent almost instantly. And that's, that's pretty big. I mean, Asia's, Asia's fucking huge. And uh, then he makes his way to Alaska. Uh, Themyscira is one of the places he's, he looks upon. And uh, he actually says to himself, an island, its people incinerated and buried by the eruption of an undersea volcano. And then to Atlantis, uh, which he, he is a bit incredulous. He's like, amazing, a subaquatic civilization. But it, too, has perished. He actually says that, but it, too, has perished and uh, then makes his way to Gotham city, which I thought this was awesome. A great reference to what we know of canonically Mm -hmm. in the Batman stories, Gotham city, the tectonic shifts resulting from the impact must've been cataclysmic. I mean, as we all know, cataclysm was the precursor to no man's land. Cataclysm, the massive earthquakes that hit Gotham and then leading to basically, you know, Gotham being a, a full on no man's land slash demilitarized zone as, um, uh indicated by the United States government. Like, nope, you're not part of us anymore. Good luck, assholes. <laughs> um, and you know, he just kind of is bouncing around trying to trying to get a feel for what this planet is. And um, he comes across a, a frigging schooner with some torn-up sails, and um
0: the schooner little... is a sailboat, <laughs>
1: schooner is a sailboat, stupid head. <laughs>
0: And And, and, I wasn't sure if this was Thomas Dolby Or if this was the guy From Prodigy But who is this character From Waterworld that he runs across
1: Yeah for real Either way he's probably pissing into a Mr. Coffee To try to get a taste of Yeah yeah
0: he's like
1: (laughs) That's right Leo I said it It's
0: like wow Sting you survived (laughs) I will kill him
1: (laughs) Uh, You don't have to put on the red light Wonderful (laughs) um so <laughs> Kal- oh, <that's>
0: <laughs> so well-timed leo was such a sniper <laughs>
1: and that's that's when we find out you know we we've been we've been seeing all the interactions that kalil has had you know since you know he's been walking around and talking with jor and stuff and uh the the guardians as well But he starts trying to speak to this guy in the the sailboat and he's like, oh, wait, I can't understand that dude. And he can't understand me. I wonder if the ring can translate. And that's because Kal-El is speaking Kryptonian and that dude is speaking some language from earth. I mean, we can't necessarily assume that it's English, um, but he kind of gives Kal-El a quick lowdown. He's just like, you know, uh, who are you oh i'm green lantern and then the guy you know he asked like you know how many people are alive here like in guys like i don't know a million maybe maybe two that's kind of like what i've heard um but like where exactly did you come from again and uh you know kal kind of takes the guy's ship and and you know from saving him from the the storm and the huge waves and flies him uh, all the way into Metropolis uh, with his ship, which, you know, if I were that dude, would be like, dude, could you just, like, drop me at the bay? Yeah, right. Yeah. This is how I fucking get food. I fish, and you're really fucking me over right now. But, you know, no time for that. I have to find other people. I have to find people more important to you and never speak to you again.
0: Where's Bibbo? <laughs> <laughs> Where,
1: where's the, what is it, the Ace of Clubs? <laughs> yeah. And uh,
0: he's my favorite. Suicide and, slum. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, so he makes his way into the city. And then he, f- he finds that uh, there's, uh, you know, a series of speakers going throughout the remains of Metropolis uh, that are saying some pretty fun things. Uh, you know, the first thing we see is, miracle that mankind has lasted this long. And he notes to himself, he's like, it's an amplified voice. Some sort of barricade is up ahead. There are people here and uh, he makes his way after dropping the dude in his ship uh, in the middle of Suicide Slum, like, like you do, and um, he, he hears more of the, the messages coming through the speakers that have been set up, and uh, they, they sound just wonderful. Just a clearly pleasant man has been making these messages for everyone to hear, and they, they are saying things such as, any one man is like a single stick, pliant and easy to snap. But bind many sticks together, my friends, and you create something stronger. A column that will not bend and cannot be broken. We of the hypersector are agents of destiny. If humanity is to survive, we must bring the people of Earth together. To form that single unconquerable column. And I, Lex Luthor, promise you, we shall march at the fore of the column. We shall be the architects of a new civilization. And that's when we gaze upon his oh-so-bald visage right above where he's actually standing. And oh, what a lovely symbol Mr. Luthor is using.
0: Yeah, this this was kind of like a holy, holy cats moment, I'll say. Because I, I turned the page and I was like,
2: what is this?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's essentially Times Square that he is set up in. And to see the 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 symbolism being used I mean the the L, the two L's interlocking slightly on a red field uh, clearly designed to be reminiscent of the the Nazi swastika yeah. from the Third Reich during World War II. and uh, Luther has just a, I mean a w- ridiculous gaggle of people that are there clearly soldiers and followers of his of this hyper sector that he's mentioned and he's giving a full-blown, you know, megalomaniacal narcissistic speech, which looks to be to the, to an idiot. It would be like, Oh, he really cares about us and he wants us all to do well. But we, as readers and you know, people not stuck in this hellscape <laughs> realize no, that that dude's a fucking maniac. And uh, he doesn't care about any of you. He just wants power and control because he's fucking Lex Luthor. <laughs> And uh, of course, he lies in he lays into uh, all the heroes who are dead and weren't able to save them. Um, He holds up a placard for the JLA, citing their ineptitude, uh, which I do find odd. I feel like it should have been the JSA, not the
0: JLA. I was wondering about that, too, Uh, because you've got the JLA, which would have been at this point a Green Lantern, which would have been Hal Jordan. Right, Barry Allen, Flash, uh, Dinolance for uh, Black Canary, Martian Manhunter, and then eventually um, 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 Oliver Queen. So that that was like your your first uh, JLA, but it doesn't quite compute with what we have a little bit later when the other Green Lantern shows up.
1: Yeah, um, it's. uh, I mean, there's there's some. I I don't want to say anachronisms, but there's just some weird stuff. But once again, you, you have to it's an else world and it's not like too serious an issue. This is not canon for anything. So they're just having fun with it. And, and I get that. Like, you know, you yeah, it's, sh- like,
0: it's like the last one with the Xavier stuff where it's like, you have to take some of the continuity where it's like, it's an X-Men book. So you have to just accept it. It's like, not going to all fit together.
1: Yeah. Like, listen, we know that, you know, certain things there, there are tropes and things that we're hitting upon, but also like, let's suspend disbelief. Because we're still talking about a a fucking human infant that was rocketed into space and was landed on another planet and raised there and now has come back as a fucking (laughs) ring-powered superhero. You know, if, like, you've gone to that point, but you, you see, like... A JLA placard instead of a JSA one, and you're like, "This is bullshit."
0: Yeah, I have questions specifically <laughs> about the infrastructure of this new world. Shut up <laughs> and read it. <laughs> yes. So is this
1: mostly barter, or yeah. I mean, what is it? Just is it goods and services? Do they have currency? I'm I'm not gonna be able to read anymore it's until just I gold know Gold backed
0: it. or silver backed? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, your, I, your paper is like, paper. I'm telling you, just how they eat and breathe and other science facts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, you should really just relax. Oh, oh, of course.
1: Yes, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we 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 hear we hear Lex Luthor giving this uh, wonderful speech that would make Adolf Hitler just blush with glee, and uh, he he you know starts talking about not just the fact that these these quote unquote heroes may have had the power to actually save them, but didn't, and they perished themselves. But when they did, he cites. Themyscira, the paradise island that Wonder Woman is from, uh, and says there was an island some thought it a myth named Themyscira. The people there held secret knowledge which they kept to themselves. They too were destroyed, their precious secrets buried with them, all because they could not walk in step with the rest of us. And this whole dying world is weaker for it. And you know, he's basically saying like we're the strong, we survived. You know, if they, if they were so smart and they were so great, where are they now? So that's why we're going to take care of everything. We're going to run everything. And, of course, the we in that is, is the royal we. He means he. He will take care of it. And uh, Kal-El, you know, remarks to himself that, you know, he, he's seen this same kind of uh, zealotry from the, the historical records when they almost destroyed Krypton because of the, the cloning and the clone wars, uh, you know, 10,000 years ago. Uh, so he's just like nah I don't I don't dig on this and he decides uh, he's gonna maybe do something about it but he wants to find out who the who the other people that they might want to take out are and uh, he kind of flies around and happens upon of all places the daily planet building that's still standing and um, look at this red-headed guy hanging out <laughs> on the top of the daily planet it's like he meets him and they instantly become kind of like like pals, you know, it's, it's, oh, it's Jimmy Olsen gang.
0: <laughs>
1: Who'd thunk? And, uh,
0: certainly oh. not the spin doctors.
1: <laughs> well, good thing. He doesn't have a pocket full of kryptonite. Am I right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, kind of introduces himself and, uh, you know, I'm a visitor. I've come to offer my health, which is kind of great. It's like, kind of sort of like, who are you a friend?
0: <laughs> I've showed up to fix your Xerox machine. <laughs>
1: And that's all, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of cool because um, Jimmy's you know right away like oh you should meet the chief, which the second you hear that you're like oh well I guess Perry survived after we saw him quit the Daily Planet all those years ago, and uh, as they're struggling to uh, move a generator around uh, the building and what have you, uh, Kal-El uses his ring and they're all like. <gasps> look at him move things with that green ring energy. And what the hell is your deal? And uh, Perry white introduces himself and he's just, you know, kind of saying like, you know, I just uh, wanted to see what the tribes were like. And um, the, those other dudes, they, uh, they sound like bad news. And uh, it seems to me like you might need some more assistance. Cause it looks like you all are just trying to survive and that dude's going to kill you. Um, and so, you know, Perry's just kind of like, oh, you know, whatever. They've tried a hundred times before, and we've always stopped them, so they can go pound sand. And, um, you know, Calwell he he's kind of taking a look around, and, you know, Perry gives him an example, like, you know, that kid right there in the wheelchair, Luther would, would have that kid killed because he's useless. And uh, that's exactly the kind of stuff we we fight against. That's That's not what humanity is about. And um you know, kind of trying to go around and get the lay of the land, Perry also has his like right hand woman come over and meet Calel and her name is Martha Kent and uh, he's telling you know, like come come give the new kid the tour of the school kind of thing <laughs> and um you know leaves it leaves it to her to kind of start asking him some questions do a little bit di- investigative digging on on some of his background and uh, I, I found it interesting. Did you, did you make note of anything as, as she like first shows her face, like asking where he came from? Do you see like the way they drew her look?
0: Yeah. I, I was really trying to see if I could recognize her as like an actress or something like that. Um, You know, uh, it was kind of obvious with the red hair who this was like at first I'm like, it's not a Spider-Man comic. So we know who this is. You know, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's his mom, Martha. why did you say that name?
1: Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Um, I do, I, I do think, uh, it's interesting to make Note this, this came out in 2003. Uh, and at that point in time, Smallville had been on the WB for a few years. And if you look, there's actually a little bit of a similarity between Annette O'Toole and the way they designed the older Martha in this book.
0: Yeah, at some, at some points there is, but then there's that, um, that bottom page right there where she's got kind of like the double chin going on. Like it's, it's like a jowl. Yeah. That's a bad angle. You know? Um, So I'm like, I'm like, yeah, kind of, I can't place though. Can you place who Perry looks like?
1: No, not at all. Yeah. Not not even close, but I will say one of the things that I thought was, was really interesting too, here was when she asked like where he's from and he just says, Oh, I was raised on a distant planet called Krypton. And then the next panel is just a, a quiet beat and she's still looking at him. And, like, I can't help but think they did that because she's looking at him like, he looks like my dead husband. You, you know what I mean? Like, just seeing a similarity between this this handsome young man that showed up and Jonathan. I, I feel like that's what they were going for there. Did did you guys pick up on that at all?
0: I personally could do without this entire scene. You could cut it and I would be... Oh, worried. yeah, that's
1: that's fair. I'm not... Yeah. Listen, i'm not standing in the fence of the scene i'm just commenting on what we read
0: yeah um no i'm I'm with you um i didn't pay much mind to it because i was like of course she survived and and i had a harder point dealing with that like i was alluding to earlier so they're watching it come down and these guys are on a farm in kansas and all that and to your point the cataclysmic e- event that would like you know cause dust in the air and block out sunshine you know like extinction level event but like these two people who happen to be prepping you know at a farm in kansas and sent out a rocket and all that you know he dies and she doesn't and i'm like "Mm, i'm having a harder time understanding why she's still alive (laughs) at this point than than like oh she's thinking it's her son (laughs) he he i just um it really (laughs) took me out of it like What's her story? Like, cause I'm just left kind of thinking it's like, what the hell happened? You
1: know? <laughs> okay. That's fair. Um, and, 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 and listen, I, I completely, I completely agree and understand why this scene is just kind of
0: like, eh, you know, it's, it's so on the nose, you know, it's like, yeah, I get it. Like they're going to have your mom there. So it's like, yeah. Although All
1: I, right. I did, I did get a kick out of like the last, the last panel in it because, you know as you're reading you know she's kind of like asking these questions and she walks them down to this area where you know truck is being parked or worked on or whatever uh and he, you know she just kind of does like the typical like like middle-aged like older slash mom thing mm-hmm. and, and she's just like so do you have like a girlfriend or a wife at home and he's like no 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 nothing like that and she's like oh too bad lois <laughs> and like that's how she calls lois over I'm like oh wow
0: so, All right, this this next part I did like. So but uh, yeah.
1: this part right here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's that Saturday Night Live Schmidt's gay part where like Chris Farley just pulls down his shades and it's like that that never ending sort of uh loop where you have Superman and Lois and like she is literally the epitome of this guy's dream in any reality. And and I dig that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I I I, I thought I thought it was cool, um, and like I said, I, the introduction how Martha is just like automatically like this is an alien with a fucking space weapon that just yeah, showed up. He's
0: got, he's got a space ring and all that. Um,
1: and her, her, the last question she asked him was if he has a, like a girlfriend or a wife. He says no, and she's like, "Okay, hey Lois," <laughs> <laughs> and then you know gets her over. And um, you know Lois is Lois is Lois, man. I mean, she's she's just cool as a cucumber man so
0: she's fierce i mean like this is the same lois in like the new 52 or like uh like flashpoint that like led frankenstein and grifter and all that against like the lex luthor regime and all that like she's she's always fierce and it's it's just fearless to the point where it's like yeah you're not going to contain this woman good good luck not in any reality
1: Yeah, and uh, you know it's kind of cool. He goes through and, and starts like, you know, "I'm a Green Lantern, and I use this power ring, which I, uh, I, 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 you after little bit of a sorry, after the power battery, that's what I'm named after, and I use that to recharge my ring, and uh, you know, of course, that's important to pay attention to that he said that to Lois, and uh, right there, almost, right on time. Uh, there's a, a an alarm that goes off and, you know, it's it's battle stations. Everybody get ready to fight and, you know, hopefully not die. So they all start making their way to their sandbags and walls and respective areas of, of fighting and what have you. And, uh, you know, of course, Lois is one of the folks there that's like commanding shit and right there on the field with everybody. I, I mean, I like to think it's probably because she actually – you know, ha- is pulling from watching her father in the military and and growing up around that. Um, you know, if he survived, I mean, I would imagine there was probably some kind of military, you know, influence for some of the survivors on on this planet. Um, but you know, there's there's Luther coming through their barricades with with all kinds of tanks with huge spikes around them because that's what you need on tanks is mm-hmm. big old pointy spikes. Because a tank isn't enough, I guess. And uh he's he's given all kinds of commands through a radio to to everybody that's out there fighting on on behalf of him, well willing to lay down their own life for you know the glory of Luthor and the hyper sector.
0: Who's who's driving the VW bus, do you suppose? because there's like three tanks there's a VW bus in the middle of like and then there's like like some all-terrain vehicles or like fuel things and I'm like this is like the weirdest version of Mad Max you know <laughs> where it's like as opposed
1: to all those normal versions of Mad Max well
0: I mean you, you think about it it's like you don't make that choice if it's like oh yeah you've got to like outrun this or outrun that it's like you don't pick like the least aerodynamic and like tippable vehicles and such it's like yeah man it's got a v6 really yeah like,
1: you do if they're the only vehicles
0: available well clearly they have tanks so but i was no. just like all right who's in that i'm like is scooby in that you know. <laughs>
1: like whoa scoob i think that bald guy's using us as cannon fodder
2: i was gonna i was gonna, I was gonna say either cheats or shaggy yeah cheats right <laughs> we're gonna take
0: over
1: the proletariat Amen. <laughs> <Hey>, <laughs> oh god yeah fucking cheech and chong nice dreams fucking falling right behind the goddamn tanks oh, yeah. dave's not here man
0: <laughs>
1: but, yeah so <laughs> they you know they they go to attack and um you know kalos ready to just like hey i got a power ring let me just fucking blast them to kingdom come and uh you know perry's like no, no 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 he doesn't even know you're here like Let's let's let them think that they're going to win. And then we'll, you know, we'll use the element of surprise and waste their asses. <laughs> and uh, they, they start to attack. And, um, you know, Perry's freedom fighters there is I think of them in my head. Uh, they, they start going up against the hyper sector. And uh, finally, uh, after watching enough people get killed and hurt, uh, Kal-el says, "No, that's it. I'm I'm stepping in." And he uh, puts up an energy shield with the Green Lantern symbol on it, and starts doing his Flyboy routine, and goes to pick up. Uh, you know, he picks up a giant. He picks up a tank, keeps it over his head with a giant energy construct, and he starts speechifying and he says this battle is over return to your encampment and do not trouble these people again they are under my protection and i will not tolerate and that's when the ring has something to say and what the ring says is and completely craps out on him and calo goes no and falls all the way to the ground because he forgot to charge his ring and then the tank falls directly on his fucking skull
0: I would have loved to have seen them animate some onomatopoeia or something like that for like the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I just love Luther's reaction. Like the very next thing that's said it all is the, the fucking tank falls on his skull after he hits the ground with a thalk. And the next thing anyone says is Luther over the radio saying, grab his corpse and let's return to the base. <laughs> you know what? Reasonable. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Classic Luthor.
1: You know? And um, they they make their way there. And, you know, of course, uh, Lois and, and Perry and Jimmy are like, holy shit, like, they took that dude kal And, you know, what, what the hell does that mean? Like, Luthor has the ring. And what's he going to do with it if he can figure out how to use it? And that's when Lois goes, wait, the lantern that's what he uses to recharge the ring. He told me about it. Maybe we could like get it to him. And uh, you know, Jimmy being uh, the ever helpful cub that he is, he's just like, Oh, I know of a tunnel underground. That was like abandoned. And uh, it was like a public works project. And um, they were like running telephone cable or or something like that. I like to think it was probably the start of project Cadmus. And you know, that's, you know, neither here nor there, but I mean, under the tunnels, under the ground in metropolis, that seems likely. Um, and,
0: or, or Mannheim's like smuggling guns and stuff.
1: Maybe. Well, in this like inter gang. Yeah, possibly. Um, but yeah, like they, they, you know, he's just like, I read all about it and, you know, nobody believed that this was blah, 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 blah. And they, uh, they get to the end of the tunnel and we see that they, they found like a, a, wooden blocked off uh wooden blockade at the end of it and uh it's like oh the old courthouse is still standing right like what about the jail maybe we can get there from here and uh he's like oh i, I figured that's where they're holding him and you know hey wait hold on and she's just like you know Luther has the ring and, you know uh, I'm sorry like they open it up and they're just like oh uh shit I guess I guess because it's old doesn't mean that it's deserted there's fucking people here and they grab the two of them and the lantern, and Lois freaks out because now they have them, the ring, and the lantern, and they're locked in a cell. And uh, as she's like wringing Jimmy by his little redheaded neck, <laughs>
2: freaking out <laughs> on him,
1: uh, they they just they just hear like kind of in semi broken, uh, also wounded English, like "What? Why'd you?" What? And they're just like, Cowell, Holy shit! How are you alive?" And uh, he's just like, where's the, where's the lantern?
0: And, <laughs> I've got a headache.
1: <laughs> and uh, you know, he's, uh, he's just like, great, great. So you brought it here and that bald asshole has it. And now we're all screwed. So you've, you've given him all the power in the fucking galaxy. And I'm, I'm just stuck here basically in the same exoskeleton I had to wear my entire life until I found that ring. I'm a fucking weakling and you've done this to me. And he punches the wall, the concrete wall and leaves a gigantic fucking dent in it. And he then looks down at his fist as Lois and Jimmy <laughs> stare at him. And then Lois's reaction is great. And she's like, if that's what you call weak, I'd hate to meet your big sister. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, he's like, holy shit. And he, he rips off the the um, door to his cell and um, he gets them out of their cell and he's just rushing through and they try to warn him like, no, kal don't they have guns. And he's just already too far ahead and they shoot him. And it turns out that apparently nothing less than a bursting shell can penetrate his skin and he goes and takes out a bunch of those dudes that are trying to shoot him and, and Lois and Jimmy and takes their guns, gives them to to, uh, to Lois and Jimmy, and the, the guy said to him, like, you ain't human! And that's when he says in front of them, that's the strange thing, I thought I was. To which we see an exclamation point over the heads of both Lois and Jimmy, as if they were characters out of, you know, Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> 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 And, uh, you know, of course, that means like, wait, what? You thought
0: he was human. So he's going to and- spend the rest of his time in a box.
2: Oh, <laughs>
1: oh man. And, uh, you know, they, they start sounding the alarms and everything there and saying jailbreak and, and what have you. And um Kal-El's jumping around and lifting up tanks and what all that happy horse shit. And he, he uh, pulls open, you know, spreads open a, a, an electrified gate, makes his way through. It kind of weakens him. But then, you know, he can't get through all the way. He decides to pick up one of those tanks and smash through it. And look at that, gang. We get ourselves a full-blown homage to Action Comics number one, the first appearance of Superman and its cover, where we even have the guy running in fear, holding each side of his head like, woe is me, that Superman might hurt me. I might be on the wrong side of history, fellas. And uh, you know, they make their way to Lex, who of course has the lantern in the ring, and uh, you know, he's a dickhead, so the it's not gonna work for him. He doesn't have the 24-word password to to break into yeah. it. And um, you know, callo calls his bluff. He's like, Go ahead, use the ring, just atomize my fucking brain, do it now. Yeah, that's what I thought. You can't give it back, and uh, and he takes it and uh you know does a classic like grab the wrist, break it, like you know. You know Zod flip around like from Superman 2 kind of thing and uh, says says the the ant- the lantern's oath and um, is able to utilize the ring again and um, you know get Luther uh, squared away and uh, get his friends back to safety and uh, he's he's standing around talking with Lois trying to figure out what this means for him now and uh, he says you know I, I don't know what to do do I do I return? to where i I'm, i was raised like the, the the only home i've ever known or do i pledge everything that i can do now with this ring to to earth and the people here and that's when the lantern speaks up again and it's like uh you don't own the ring dude you are the green lantern of sector 1104 or some business uh you you, you can't pledge it um oh i'm sorry 1003 that's 10, you know that's he's green lantern of sector 1003 and it says you are responsible for protecting all life in that sector not a single world earth sector already has a green lantern one who was served with courage and wisdom and you know he's like but i i need to i need to stay like, it, like I'm, I'm i'm needed what if i choose to stay and they said you can you can give up the ring you don't have to be a green lantern like we always give you a choice um we'll we'll let you take the rest of the rings power cycle to to make up your mind and then you let us know and so you know at that point kalos like oh it's all like donkey kong son and he um he's like you know lois is like what are you gonna do he's like i don't have time to fucking talk to you i got shit to do and starts darting all across and uh, he manages to create um s- somehow <laughs> create uh a crypto 2.0 Um, based on the Kryptonian schematics and technology that he grew up with and therefore is able to create uh, some like atmosphere scrubbers, which, funny enough, we saw in the last issue of What If that we covered with uh, Professor X and and being the juggernaut, he did the same thing. He cleaned the atmosphere with with levitating air scrubbers. Um,
2: So, So real quick, my thought was here that he went back to Krypton to get him. Oh, because his robot friend is there.
1: Maybe. Oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, he, I mean, the the Green Lantern ring would be able to make him uh, fly in at light speeds. Honestly,
0: so. I, I wish they gave that that thought to this too. So, because there's there's parts of this that are kind of sloppy. So it's like, that's, that's probably one of them where it's like what Leo said is, is a great answer. And that should be the answer, but now it's just headcanon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that's a great point, Leo. And quite honestly, I, I, I've, I've had this book for years and that thought never occurred to me. So it's a fucking excellent point, dude. Yeah. Well, you know what? He must've used the ring and opened or found a nearby wormhole similar to the one that got him to Krypton from earth as a child. And, uh that's that and uh if anybody has anything different to say i don't care that's that's how <laughs> yeah. that's,
0: <laughs> that's where we're at now so
2: yeah that's
1: that's uh that's we've we've decided that's what happened gang so make up your own story but it's not as good as the one we just made um
2: well, we we did say is to choose your own adventure so that's true that <laughs> yeah, is that's, true, that's true.
1: Yeah. uh and uh so you know he he goes and then makes his way across the planet and he's doing everything he can to clean up areas and get things uh, in, in a tenable safe environment and uh, get things set up. So maybe there can be agriculture and, and learning Uh, he goes to Themyscira and is able to uh, save one of their libraries and brings it all the way to metropolis to give to, you know, Perry's freedom fighters and says like, yo, there's a lot of cool stuff in here and uh, you could probably use that to help not just recreate your society but maybe make it better than it was before uh, and you know, he's like, I did all this so I don't have to worry about all of you when I go back to Krypton and continue being the Green Lantern of Sector 1003 and thanks for th- so long, thanks for all the fish you, you guys take care <laughs> And uh, Lois is just like, wait, hold on. So like you're, you're, you're peacing out here. Um, maybe wait, don't, don't tell me that you're leaving just yet. I want to tell you something. And she goes over and whispers into his ear in front of Martha. And then it shows kal reaction right here as he goes like completely wide-eyed looking at Martha. And that's when we see in the next page sometime later, Abin, sir. Yeah. The Green Lantern of Sector 2814 shows up to retrieve Kal-El of Krypton's Green Lantern and Ring because he has decided to give up that mantle to stay on Earth. And, uh, you know, he's he's just saying, like, I don't know if it's the right decision. I just know it's it's the best decision for me to make right now. And I'm, I'm willing to do the work. These people, I think, need me a little bit more than the place where I was born and raised and uh you know avancer is you know he's pretty cool he, avancer is like pretty much always cool no matter what and that's one of the worst parts about his character is like you really are just like damn like why did this dude have to die to give Al jordan his ring if he had just stayed alive it might have been a bit better for everybody
0: yeah he's, um, he's like super level-headed and and um lacks emotion for the most part and all that but like yeah he's he's cool as a cucumber
1: yeah, and like it's actually like really, he's really nice to kal like here. And he's just like, hey, you know, you you were chosen to be a Green Lantern, and you did some great stuff while you were still a Green Lantern. Once a Green Lantern, always a Green Lantern. And you know, I I don't expect anything less than a great destiny from you. And you know, the the universe will be watching essentially. And that's that's really cool. You know, it's, he, he could have just been like. Give me the shit. All right, later. Just treat it as a task. He was sent by the guardians to perform and that's that. But instead, you know, he did exactly what a Green Lantern should do. He inspired hope and he supported, he he supported the work and dream of a people that is going to be at it for a long time. And also because they're right there on his radar, he likely will be stopping by and checking in on them because they are also aware of his presence, which, which is interesting to, to keep in mind, you know, um, but what's great is, like, you know, he, that's, that's where we leave Kal-El. He's, he's now on Earth, and he is essentially Superman. Uh, he, he is at the same power levels that Superman was at when he was created in 1938 by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. He, he's incredibly strong. Bullets can't pierce his skin. Uh, likely he can jump, you know, he can leap tall buildings in a single bound. Uh, at that point, that meant that Superman could jump one-eighth of a mile just at a leap. Uh, and it le- it leads us directly into an epilogue on Krypton, where we see the Council of Elders kind of wide eyed and almost uh, terrified looking. And the next shot down we see here is of you know that we see no father, I do not, nor does Lara. It's clearly Jor El and Lara, but we see green pants and red boots on Jor El, and bare knees and uh violet boots on lara and then the very next panel it shows them in their classic costumes a classic character design from the the 30s and 40s where you know jor had a, a green outfit with a, a yellow sun and a red corona and uh and lara was wearing a a, a, a short dress um you know that that kind of came up to the neck and uh bare shoulders and uh, it's, it's very vintage looking uh, design for both of them as, and it's juxtaposed directly to the bio suits that had been set up by John Byrne and all the, the cold scientific era. And uh, it's, it's because of the book that jor holding, which contained that yeah. holographic history, which was unearthed and Calel found and presented to them. They actually learned more about who they were and what they came from. And, Kal was right that what they what they could find in their own history would probably help this stagnating culture, how it had been locked in a stasis and not moving forward, just plateaued. And uh, the fact that Joel and Lara are standing before them, saying, holding hands, you know, showing physical affection towards one another in in proximity, uh, as opposed to the isolation that they've all imposed upon one another and you know seeing that the consequences of living for for centuries but without any sort of closeness to any one or thing isn't really a life worth living and so they shed their biosuits they're wearing they're wearing uh, garments much like their ancestors would have and now they realize that because of this it's going to make each moment past that something worth cherishing because they know that they're going to be finite and if if everything else if every moment is infinite then every moment has has no value because it's just going to be the same and uh you know the, the council of elders is just kind of like you know like oh this fucking kid we're, we're letting him do it again and uh you know he's like hey listen the stuff for science it's it's what led to the clone banks and what led to what was almost the destruction of our entire planet let alone the the absolute like like putting like breaking of our society you know as a people and it's it's time that we we you know separate ourselves from from what it is we've been doing and try to progress and and be better do more and that's because Calel was the one that was curious enough to show us that there could be a different and better way. And so all the time that's left to us, we're going to make sure that Krypton can see what we were in the past and how glorious it was. So we can hopefully make the future just as good. And uh, you know, it's, it's really cool to see that without him even realizing it, Kal-El not only helped save Earth, but he may well have saved Krypton twice. And that's that's how we leave the story, and, you know, circle and, and the end. And uh, you know I, I you know it's, it's not it's not without its flaws, but it's a really it's a really fun story.
0: Yeah I, I agree. I think, um, I think it's definitely a little bit sloppy at some points, but the message the overall message that it has to go and give across, um, it, it comes across pretty well. And it's an enjoyable read. I, I thought it was like I definitely don't regret reading it. You know, the, the problems I have are just logistical. Like why did was his mom there? Things like that. Like but otherwise it's like it was it was a very satisfying read.
2: Don't forget you criticize the, the financial system too. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like
0: like what is it? I mean, do they have Dogecoin at that point?
2: Yeah. Uh no, it's all about Shiba Inu now. Oh, is it okay? <laughs> <laughs>
1: The only the only thing we, we trade we, we do not, we trade hot dogs. It's it's a form of currency. Twenty-seven hot dogs equals roughly a nickel.
0: <laughs> if the food was made of ribs, would you eat it? What? Would Answer you eat the
2: it? <laughs> we'll no,
1: I would. I need a bib. Yum.
2: I love that. I agree with you. It was a good read. Uh, yeah, definitely had some flaws, but uh, you know, I, I think the writing and uh, you know, definitely the u- uniqueness of it uh, definitely made up for it.
1: Yeah, uh, one of the things that I really, I always gravitated towards with this particular story is when it comes to uh, what if slash else worlds type of stories. Um, it's it's very easy, and this is largely due to the character's popularity. Uh, it's very easy to find a lot of Batman stories. Um, you know, it's like, oh, what if Bruce Wayne did this? What if Bruce Wayne did that? Yada, yada, yada. Superman stories, uh, not so much. There's not as many of them as there could be. Uh, and I found this one to be unique amongst them because it's always, for the most part, you know, oh, okay, doomed planet Krypton. You know, scientists send sun out. He lands on Earth. OK, but now it's what if the wind shifted and he landed just outside the Gotham City limits and he was raised by Thomas and Martha Wayne? Oh, what if the wind shifted slightly and he still landed in Kansas, but he was found by like a, a you know like a, a Mennonite couple instead of the Kent.
0: Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's uh, a really good one, though. <laughs> it,
1: it is. It is. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always that, you know, like what what if what if he had what if, uh, you know, he had hit that wormhole and it actually was also a time warp and he landed in you know the you know the um uh 18th century and what you know it's like it's always it's always like what if he had landed in a different spot or at a different time on earth but the fact of the matter with this is like it's not kal-el it's not the offspring of Jorel and lara that's rocketed from krypton before it explodes this is an earthling this is a human kid who was born and named clark kent and he's sent out and happens to land on Krypton, found by Jor-El and Lara, you know, incidentally, and you know, still is, develops into a good person, becomes a hero, regardless of, of you know his his in his disability really, as it was seen on Krypton. Um, instead of being Superman, we see him as Green Lantern, but then to go back to his world, his home, of, you know, of origin. And it's not something that actually makes him weaker, like Krypton and Kryptonite would do for Superman. It actually makes him stronger than he ever was when he was being raised on the only planet he ever knew. So, I mean, it's just like a juxtaposition. He's, he really becomes two different superheroes within this story, but it's not an overlap that doesn't make sense. So I'm I'm able to forgive some of the in, inconsistencies within it because of the the core concept being so
0: solid. And uh, definitely solid. I I agree, and the message is there too. You know, it's 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 clear and it's it's communicated by the author very clearly. So you you know, it's it's heavy concept, and you get it like it sinks in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad that you guys both really enjoyed it. Uh, and that, that being said, I mean, readers really enjoyed this. So much to the point that uh, it, was, it was actually given a sequel. And that is not something that really ever happened with Elseworlds. Uh, and the follow-up to it, uh, which it will be, um, I, I can say at this point, it will be the, the next episode that we do because uh, it's only logical. It's called Superman Last Stand on Krypton. Um, oh, yes, it's it's very cool. Um, it do, it does deal with the continuing story of uh, Kal El slash Clark Kent on Earth, uh, and how he is actually now acting as a liaison between Krypton and Earth, uh, and what is what is actually happening on Krypton because of what we saw in the epilogue at the end of this series.
0: Oh, yeah, and nice. I can't wait to see what Lex Luthor has to say about this. You
1: will be very interested. I think um, it, it, I, if you know anything about silver age comics, I think you'll be very amused at uh, one of the conceits for one of the bad guys in it. Um, that's all I'll say until we get to this in a couple weeks. Cool. Yeah, but uh, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it because that means that covering <laughs> covering the next story will be fun and not painful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, any any final thoughts? You guys pretty much all set with uh, what you what you said and what you saw. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's kind of it's a straightforward read. You know, it doesn't hit like a like the nail like you talked about it doesn't hit like kingdom come but i think the reason it doesn't hit like that is because it's singularly a superman story it's not like an ensemble cast like it's got his it's extra players but those are all superman book characters like perry white and lois lane and stuff so so it doesn't hit on like a grander scale like if it maybe had some more characters in it, like JLA, maybe it would, but you know, it's, it's a good, fun read and, and it is, it's, it's one of the more unique books I think I've ever read as an Elseworld.
1: Excellent. Totally agree. Outstanding. I'm uh, like, I said, I'm really, I'm really glad that you guys enjoyed it. I had absolutely nothing to do with its creation. Just (laughs) love, love love spreading it around. Um, And you know, that, with all that, uh, I hope that that everyone that's been listening uh, that they they enjoyed us running through it. And uh, if they're really curious about digging into it, uh, please you know search it out. Um, it, it, it's currently not uh, available on like Comixology. Uh, you you'd have to dig around to find it physically. I do think that it might end up in another Superman Elseworlds collection sooner rather than later because DC has been putting those out. Uh, for different characters like they have batman elseworlds collected superman uh and justice league so uh you know keep your eyes peeled uh, like i said i think they're on like th- two or three volumes for superman stories at this point uh this would likely end up uh in one of the next ones coming out probably four or whatever um but you know we'll, uh, we can uh we can move on from here and uh let's let's give our let's give our valedictions um so uh, Justin Cooper, where can, uh, where can people check you out, man?
0: Uh, you can check me out on uh, Facebook. You can look up Justin Cooper. Um, I run the uh, community Epic Shells, which is all Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles based. Uh, you can find me on Geek Life HQ and uh, the other podcast that I do called The Epic Tales from the Sewers.
2: Excellent. All right. And Leo Pond. Yeah. Uh, I do way too many shows, which uh, <laughs> which is crazy. But, uh, you know, there's also a lot of awesome people doing some pretty cool stuff. Head on over to thedorkening.com. I, uh, it's a podcast network I run. has uh, about 40 shows on a network. And, uh, yeah, very cool stuff. And, uh, yeah, uh, Brandon. Yeah. Hey,
1: uh, I'm I'm powerful. Brandon, guys, you can you can join me, please, over at the uh, Powers Combined Facebook group. Uh, number one rule there is, you know, don't be a jerk. We just have a lot of fun, share a lot of geeky info, memes, news, what have you. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Brandon's Powers uh, and uh, on Instagram at this Brandon has powers uh i am also on the dorkening podcast every wednesday uh each week at about 9 p.m eastern standard time and uh other than that you know you can find me wherever uh, you can pretty much locate fat guys trying to get fast food at any point <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you very much guys and uh everybody out there have fun be safe and enjoy your comic books